Hola, friends. Bienvenidos a Recap Tuesday. I hope you loved last week's conversation with Bianca as much as I did. But if you haven't gotten a chance to listen, it's okay. I'll highlight a few of the things that stood out to me below. First, Bianca and I spoke about our shared experiences of joining the evangelical church when our parents belonged to, in my case, the Catholic Church, and in her case, for her mom, an entirely different religion. We talked about this idea that many feel within Christianity of needing to be a martyr in order to be a genuine follower of Jesus, and of the guilt that often follows with serving the church. In my past, I and many others I know have felt that if we're not spending more time at church than with family or with friends, then we don't love Jesus enough. I actually talk about this a bit in Abuelita Faith. I share an experience in which I was supposed to go on a mission trip the morning after the grandfather figure in my life passed away. And I remember feeling so guilty, repeating Luke 14, 26 in my head about hating your family in order to be Jesus' disciple. After deciding to stay, thankfully, and not go on the trip, I realized that being is often just as important as doing. And for me, being there with and for my family felt more in line with Jesus than boarding a plane to do ministry in another country. I often wonder how much of this martyr mentality we've internalized and how much of it doesn't lead to more faithful witness, but instead to guilt and to overworking ourselves in such a way that distances us from a lot of other important things, kingdom things that we might miss. To this end, Bianca mentions that we must let things be imperfect. And I just love this as it's something that I'm actually leaning more and more into. Actually in his book, After Whiteness, Dr. Willie Jennings talks about three characteristics of white supremacy, namely mastery, possession, and control. These three things play an important role in how white supremacy deals with others and with God, among other things. For example, white supremacy has taught us that in our attempts to know God, we must master, right? Hello, master of divinity. (laughs) We must master God, master theology, the way one person has often been the master of another. White supremacy has taught us that we can possess God and people, that we can be the ones to own the knowledge and the land, And also this ties into control, right? White supremacy has controlled who's in charge and who gets to say and who or what calls the shots, who owns or possesses the knowledge of and about God. But the more that I learn about God or about scripture, about theology in general, the more I realize that the phrase, I don't know, is indeed a sacred declaration. It's a way to name my humanness and my imperfections and the fact that I'll never fully know. We talk a lot about decolonizing and I think leaning into imperfection and into uncertainty is a part of this process. Lastly, most importantly, Bianca and I spoke about anti-Asian racism. While I don't feel fully equipped to say all the things about this topic because I'm not Asian American and I want to respect the unique struggles that our Asian American siblings are facing while also recognizing my place within all of it, I do want to highlight the brilliant things that Bianca and other Asian American thinkers have said. First of all, I want to focus on grief. In a conversation with Kathy Kong and Jazzy Johnson on the Chasing Justice podcast, Chinese-American thinker and theologian Barnabas Lin expressed that for many folks in Asian-American communities, they feel like they're being policed in how they express their anger and grief, causing many of them to modulate down. Barnabas explains that there might be good cultural reasons to modulate this grief, but there are also racialized realities that speak to the reality of assimilation. 
and how Asian Americans are, quote, supposed to be, or, quote, supposed to act. And Bianca talks about this too. But I love that she mentions that there's space for all of our grief, particularly the grief of our Asian American siblings who have had to deal with the trauma of racism and losing so many of their elders to hate crimes in recent history. For those of us who are not Asian American, part of our job is to allow the space needed to let their grief be what it is. To this end, Bianca also talks about how we often fall into this sort of oppression Olympics, right? She made such a powerful point that we often gaslight ourselves to thinking that our experiences aren't as important as other people's. But she does remind us that there's room for all of it and that we don't do anyone a service by just swallowing our pain. When we start to bring our pain to light, she argues, this is when we start to get free. And I love these reminders that grief isn't a competition, but a sacred space we can and should hold for each other. This makes me think of Romans 12. In it, Paul says that love must be sincere, that we must hate what is evil and cling to what is good, that we must be devoted to one another in love. We must honor one another above ourselves. We must never be lacking in zeal, but keep our spiritual fervor serving God. We must be joyful in hope and patient in affliction and faithful in prayer and share with the Lord's people who are in need, right? We must practice hospitality. He then goes on to say that we must rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn in order to live in harmony with one another. I love that the Bible clearly tells us to stand in solidarity with those who are grieving. And I believe this involves listening to understand, right? It doesn't mean mourn if you agree, and it certainly doesn't involve policing the ways mourning and grief are expressed. Mourn with those who mourn doesn't come with qualifiers. I thought about this so much this past summer during the Black Lives Matter protest and the opinions thereof, and I think about it now in regard to anti-Asian racism and the responses thereof. Lastly, Bianca shares about her own personal journey with restorative justice and abolition after she was the victim of a violent robbery. She shares about how she is committed to centering her and her community's collective grief while also divesting from policing and the prison industrial complex. We can do both, she says. Together we must look for new ways that sustain more holistic change. This makes me think of how important our imagination is how necessary it is for us to envision a new world order and then live into that imagination. It won't always be perfect and we don't have all the answers, but we can begin to imagine and envision and seek new ways of living and being and engaging in the world that don't perpetuate colonial and violent realities. And so I continue to echo Bianca that we must rewrite a new story. And I believe this is something we can do together. Anyway, thanks for tuning in, friends. Don't forget to leave a review or consider joining the Patreon community. See you next week.